Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Talk, uh, a very important episode. Well, they're they're all important. Uh, this one, perhaps even more so. Uh, we have uh, what amounts to uh, breaking news, if you will. Uh, we're going to talk today about something called the Unemployment Insurance Solvency Fund Assessment. Uh, this has been, uh, like I said, breaking news. Uh, Modern business owners have been getting those letters from the state recently detailing what their assessments are, and they have been hit with what can only be described as sticker shock. Here to talk about it today is Suzanne Murphy. She is the CEO and founder of Unemployment Tax Control Associates in Springfield. Suzanne, how, how are you this morning? I'm well this morning, all things considered. All things considered. Yes. <laughs> uh, you have been very busy the last uh, few weeks, I'll say, and the past several days especially, um, doing podcasts like this, meeting with the media, uh, and especially talking with clients, uh, trying to help them make sense of something that seemingly came from out of nowhere, although it really wasn't out of nowhere. I think all of us expected that eventually – the bill was going to come due for all the massive amounts of unemployment that have been incurred during the pandemic. And that's essentially what this is. Um, we'll talk about it some more, but uh, just so people will know, tell us about you and your company. It's a great company. You've been doing this Thank for you. what, 30 <laughs> some odd years now? I've, I'm going to say I've been doing it since my 20s. So yeah, you hit, you hit that number. It's just about right. Okay. <laughs> Being a woman, I'm not going to give you exact dates. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, um, have been in the industry for just about 30 years. Um, and in that time span, I can tell you in, ter- in terms of giving this in context, have never, ever seen anything like this before. So literally when we went into the system, we went into the un- un- unemployment uh, portal system, uh, the online system, and we, we took a glance at the uh, solvent- at the rate notices that they were they were uploading. The jaw-dropping um, comment there that uh, went out, kind of f- found some traction in the media, was not is not hyper. It wasn't hyperbole at all. I mean, I literally my jaw dropped. I said, "This can't be right," and we all were lo- leaning in, looking at it. This this has got to be a mistake. This this must be just a filling, a filler that they've put in, uh, you know, for the for the time being. But um, basically, what UTCA does is we manage employers. We manage uh, the uh, uh, unemployment programs for employers. So they outsource the tasks and the uh, responsibilities of the unemployment um, administration uh, on their accounts to our organization. So that's what we do. So we really are leaning into this more, much more obviously than others would, including businesses. So um, we got we got to look at this, uh, the first look at this, and said we have a problem, you know, we have a big problem. So that's kind of how it evolved. And um, so the fight, the fight continues in terms of, you know, where we're going to go with this and, and, and uh, what employers can expect, but we did get some good news uh, late, late late last night. So that was. Okay. Let's start by talking about exactly what the unemployment insurance solvency fund assessment is. Most business owners 
know a little bit about this. Uh, their HR departments are certainly handing for a lot of them, but explain uh, in layman's terms, if you can, and that might be a little bit difficult, exactly what the uh, rate is and how it works. The solvency assessment is a factor that impacts your rate, so your individual rate. So think of it in terms of almost like your car, driving a car where you have a merit-rated insurance system. Um, if you get too many tickets and traffic violations and things of that nature, um, every incident will drive up the cost of your insurance. Well, it's kind of the same thing for employers when it comes to claims. If they have a lot of claim activity, it, their ex individual experience rating will go up. Um, and that's set by schedules. In fact, the schedules that our legislature just recently addressed, that's part of it. But there's also this, let's say, a no-fault um, type of pool, which is a solvency assessment. Um, and that solvency assessment is the socialized um, percentage. It's basically, it's a socialized cost that all employers pay, regardless of how well they, they drive or what their claimants and incidents may be. And that solvency assessment was, that fund was heavily used um, much more than it ha has ever been historically for the relief of COVID claims. So, you know, it's just a different bucket they moved it to where it's not punishing the individual employer and their individual merit rating, their individual account per se, in terms of what their rate will be because of their own activity. So the rate last year was 0.58%, if I understand correctly, Correct. and the rate now is 9.23%. Exactly. That is a huge increase. What are some businesses seeing in terms of increases? These are thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, maybe millions in, in the case of large businesses? Exactly. Um, if you're fortunate, you're only seeing a few thousand. Uh, if you're a smaller business, it's very likely you may be seeing maybe four, five, six thousand, and that's if you're fortunate. Um, many employers are seeing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and a good number are also seeing millions. And as you've noted in a lot of the the media coverage that I've seen, this this comes at a time when a lot of businesses just can't absorb something like this. They're they're still reeling from COVID. Uh, they're trying to fight their way back from uh, the devastation, uh, the, the loss of business. Uh, a lot of these businesses are hurting themselves and now they're being hit by this. So I assume you've been on the phone a lot. Uh, kind of run us through a typical conversation that you would have with a business owner that dials the UTCA number. Well, we're hearing, how are we going to do this? How the big question is, how are we going to come up with this? We didn't see it coming, so it's not like we were able to budget it. And if we had seen something like this coming, given our revenue, given the, the, the reduction in our own sales, given how COVID has impacted us, given the fact that we have not even brought back all of our employees, we're still not ramped up, how exactly are we going to? dig into our, our, our very small operating budget and come up with this in very little time because those payments, the first of those payments are due for the most for the largest reporting quarter, which is Q1, April 30th. So, um, Well, that has now been moved back to June 1st, as I understand it. It has. It, the filings, there, there's a distinction here because the payments have been held off or there's an abeyance on those in terms of... Um, 
actually having to cut the check, pay, pay that Q1 uh, uh, unemployment uh, tax. However, the filing still must be um, made on the April 30th day. So mm -hmm. they still want to have those, the filings in, they want to know exactly what they have for, for inflows into the, into the fund, mm -hmm. uh, assuming there are no changes. Well, assuming there are no changes, uh, there are a lot of people who are probably thinking that this is something that might be voluntary, something you can negotiate, something you can call up the state and say, you know, I don't want to pay this. I don't need to pay this. Can I pay this instead? This is non-negotiable. Uh, this is this is what this is. This is non-voluntary, and it's hitting what, as I understand it, every for-profit business in the state. Is that correct? That's correct. In fact, in terms of the actual solvency assessment, they've already paid it. It's been deducted from their account. So that's the, right. dis the distinction employers um, need to understand because they're saying, well, we don't want to pay this. We're not going to pay that. The unfortunate thing is just like a checking account, um, that line item has already reduced, been, been taken. So th they've already done an auto debit, so to speak, to their um, individual on employers, uh, unemployment account rather. So moving forward then, uh, every business in the state is looking for some kind of relief from this. Uh, and you're already starting to work with others to kind of marshal some forces, talk to state legislators about what they can do to not just delay that first payment, but actually kind of get business owners some relief in the form of using uh, COVID relief monies to actually replenish this fund and take the burden off of business owners and put it back on the state. Can you talk about that a little bit? Certainly. So there's there were several asks that we had, but all reasonable and 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 we think doable. The first being asked was that they stay the uh, the, the the payments, which it appears they have done that. The second would be that they don't. Um, uh, enforce any penalties or fees, interest or assessments as a result of that stay. And the the down the road ask, but still on very much um, the ask uh, is that they redirect if there are any remaining CARES funds from, from the CARES Act, from the, from the stimulus uh, under President Trump, that they deploy those to the solvency to address the solvency, that being a very immediate, very immediate need. So those funds would be re readily available in terms of legally uh, the ability to use them because um, there is no barrier provision in the CARES uh, federal language to use it. Now, what is the, the dollar amount we're talking about here? We don't know. That don't is know. unfortunate. That is something that no one currently has been able to ascertain if there's care uh, stimulus funds uh, residing somewhere unused that could be directed towards this is, is the big question. That's a, that's a very big question. Um, we have done uh, research on it. We had our general counsel on it and he was unsuccessful himself as well as other organizations we have con contacted in determining if there in fact was any care are, are any CARES funds uh, remaining. Um, the, the, so the look right now is is the focus on um, moving away from CARES is whether or not we can use President Biden's ARP, ARPA funds, so the American Rescue Plan funds. Uh, those funds most definitely um, are need, would be needed and should be directed towards this. The issue is the, there is a, a language uh, a 
legal language in the provisions that, that differ between CARES and ARPA, where it, it appears it may have been inadvertent um, that there is language in the, in the ARPA bill that prohibits the use of those funds to offset any tax revenue shortfalls. Mm. So obviously Massachusetts is not the only state that is dealing with this. What are we hearing from some of the other states about what they're doing? Is, is the problem as acute in those? Is there a model we should be looking to? I've heard Maryland is looking to use Correct. Correct. Mer funds, if not uh, American Rescue Act funds. Yes, absolutely. Um, Maryland is one state. I believe there are others that have already essentially incorporated that into their 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 projections for their solvency um, deficits and are are counting on doing so. Now, there's a, a difference between you know making planning and projecting and actually being able to 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 use those funds because of the again the 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 barrier provision in the ARPA language. So it is my understanding uh, that they are working out through some type of, of litigation uh, with the Justice Department, um, how the guidelines can be, be interpreted or changed or vacated so that those funds can be freed up and that language um, basically amended. So they can count on it, they can project it, but they have not in fact used it because the first tranche of funds have not even been released that's scheduled for May 10th. So I understand lobbying efforts are going on with individual legislators and the governor. Uh, this makes sense. I mean, businesses did not cause this problem. The state ordered a shutdown. This is where a lot of these layoffs came from last spring. This is a state-caused problem. It, it should be the state working to solve this up. What, do you, what are you hearing from the senators that you've spoken with uh, and the people in Boston about what they think about this and what they think might be able to happen? Well, we're not hearing too much other than the there was a letter that was recently released um, signed by several legislators, many of them, um, and think public statements made uh, behind the scenes, there is certainly a, a considerable concern, serious concern. They're leaning into this um, and they're getting a lot of calls and feedback from uh, pushback, I would say, from the business community. But I would have to say within the, the business community, as opposed to the, the, the legis our legislators, there is certainly um, the sense that, and, and I would agree as, as a member of the business community, that what was done was the right thing. People needed to be paid. Our workers needed to be supported. Um, there isn't a, a position in terms of anger about what was done because the feeling is our legislators and the employers did the right thing. There was a lot of hustle to get their former uh, employees or that former, but their furloughed employees or some, unfortunately they had to let go, be let go permanently to get them paid. So there is an anger in terms of what was done because there was no way to draw this one up. There was no game plan. There was no strategy. The pandemic is something none of us invited. Um, and that being the case that, that we're all very cognizant of that. We didn't have a game plan to execute beforehand, but now that employers feel, hey, we did the right thing. 
there was never any question about taking care of our, our workers, but we need to take care of our businesses as well because they have to stay viable and they have to continue to move forward. And we have barely, barely gotten out of the tunnel here. And right. we, sure. You, you've been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as well as I do, that this is a state that doesn't often listen to the business community as much as maybe we would like it to. Um, are you optimistic that it will listen this time? I am. I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm not unrealistic, but I, I am cautiously optimistic because I believe they, they understand we're in new territory here. So they have to set a precedent in terms of how will they balance the, the business community, um, their needs, their, their, you know, functioning needs. This becomes a functional uh, systemic issue in terms of like, are we going to take care of our, econ- our economy in terms of being able to keep workers in the workplace? I mean, it, it comes down to that because I'm hearing conversations. I'm hearing mm-hmm. things from employers saying, we might not, this might be lights out for us. With everything else we have to contend with, this is not something that we had planned for. Um, we need a softer landing. I'm going to use the term softer landing. There has to be some way that we can uh, address this and give employers what they need right now to be able to um, hang in there for the long term. What can individual business owners do to help their own cause? Obviously, they need to get involved, but how can they do that? Well, we certainly recommend that they they understand, they keep track of what's being published in, in your publication, in, in, in the local media, Mass Live, Springfield Republican, uh, whether, or Boston Business Journal, because this certainly is just not just a Western Mass uh, uh, issue. Mm-hmm. All the business publications, all the newspapers certainly stay on top of what's going on. They can go to the ERC because they have taken quite a lead on this, the um, East of the River 5 Chamber of Commerce. Go to their website. There's, they will be posting a lot of updates for members, but also for the public to, to um, stay current with things. Um, they should sign the change.org uh, petition that's circulating. And we can certainly get that to you if you wanted to, uh, to, mm-hmm. to get that out there to the business community. The petition's an important thing because it, it can really um, show a lot of numbers. It, it, could, it, it, it could show a groundswell of, of, I don't want to use the term anger, but we'll use the term shock. But there's definitely some anger there because of the fact that the employers feel they were ambushed by this, that there wasn't enough notice. Um, mm-hmm. So that is driving a lot of, of why the, the petitions out there and why the, the we're doing what we're doing right now. Um, but I would also say there's agreement that a, a reticence to blame any anybody in particular on this one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you said, it, it uh, those letters came out um, about a week, two weeks ago. Most of them did. Uh, almost everyone has theirs by now. And Mm-hmm. You look at the numbers, you, you look at it, you don't fully understand what's behind it sometimes. And now business owners are fully coming to grips with what those numbers mean. And they are scary. Yeah. Uh, if it's not lights out for a lot of these businesses, I imagine some of them will, will have to cut back. There might be further layoffs. And 
who knows? <laughs> Probably just compound the problem even further. So, uh, like you said, we need that soft landing, and, and hopefully we're going to get one. So, Suzanne, uh, you've been a, a big help in helping our listeners understand this, uh, come to grips with it, and uh, hopefully uh, move forward and uh, be part of helping the state find that soft landing. I thank you for your time. We'll revisit in a couple of weeks or a few months and, and, and see where we're at. Thank you for putting the focus on this, George. It's very important. Okay. You're very right. welcome. Good luck to you. And I know you're going to stay busy with this. So you will. Good all luck right. with all that. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. This has been uh, the latest episode of uh, Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. Happy to have you with us, and we'll see you next time.